and welcome to self-love series part four. Today we're going to talk about environmental health and how it impacts our self-love. So what is environmental health? It's basically our health regarding our environment or our surroundings. So where we sleep, where we eat, where we work, where we work out, where we spend all of our free time, it really does impact our ability to one, be healthy, and two, it ultimately impacts our self-love. So when you are at home, when you're looking around your house, what do you see? Is it clutter that's on the counter? Is it laundry that's lying about all over the floor of your bedroom or your living room? Can you even see your kitchen counter or your bathroom counter? If you can't, this can lead to a lot of chaos, anxiety, frustration, um, even certain diseases like hoarding that can really impact our ability to think, feel, and be healthy as well as to ultimately love ourselves. So I'm not here to shame or blame if you have clutter. Um, we all can have clutter at some point in time. So hear me out. This is not just about the clutter game, but I want to take our two common areas uh, for where we spend our time. And one is either at home, whether that is your workspace or your personal space, and the other is at work, whether that's at your home or whether that's in another physical location. So let's talk about how these two different environments can actually have the same impact. So going back to our home, whether you have a 500 square foot home or a 5,000 square foot home, our ability to function in a clean and organized space really does have an impact on our health and on our self-love. So if you are like me and sometimes you tend to have clutter, let's talk about ways that you can either reduce or get rid of the clutter in your personal space. It starts with one room at a time. So maybe there's a room where you don't even like to go in it. Maybe that's just a, a spare bedroom or who knows, it could be your own bedroom. Whatever or whatever the room is, we're going to tackle it. So we're going to start with one room and I want you to just walk in the room and I want you to look around and notice what you like and what you don't like about the room. Maybe you like the decor or maybe you like your wall color. Maybe you don't like any of it and that's okay too. So we're going to focus on the things right now that we would like to improve. And if there's a lot of excess things lying around, be it paper, be it food, whatever it is, clothing, we're going to start to go through that and sort that. There's really no one way that works best. It is ultimately what works for you, but I do recommend starting out in smaller, manageable chunks of time and space. For example, if you are cleaning out your closet and you're like, I don't even know where to start. It's just overwhelming. Nothing fits in the drawers or the space that it's intended to fit in. Help, send SOS. So I recommend starting with something like a drawer. Just start with one drawer. 
and then start to go through and ask yourself, what do I use versus what do I not use? If you don't remember using that item in the last six to 12 months, especially towards that 12 month side, it's probably time to let it go. Now with clothing, I understand we, we all have seasons, um, unless we live someplace that is warm and tropical all year round. But for the most part, we will spend half of our time wearing certain clothes and the other half of the time not wearing those clothes because of our environmental and weather conditions. We can't control that, right? That is out of our control. I'm talking about there is a dress or a pair of jeans that you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lose weight so I can fit into that dress. I'm just gonna go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. Get rid of that piece of clothing or sell it because holding onto it, even if you're like, oh, I'm so close, I'm gonna fit into this garment, whatever it is, that in and of itself can lead to some negative emotional health and can really just kind of impact mental and emotional health. And we talked about mental and emotional health last week. So we're just going to donate it, sell it, get rid of it. It's got to go because it is literally not just figuratively, but literally taking up space within your closet. And for everyone, space is at a premium. So we are going to start a pile where we've got maybe three piles, a yes, a no, and a maybe. And I'll let you decide what yes and no mean, but it could be yes, I'm gonna keep it. It could be yes, I'm gonna get rid of it. So just yes, no, maybe. The maybes we're not sure about. We could go one way or the other, we're gonna come back to it. But those very definitive things that were like, all right, I have not worn this in 10 years, get rid of it, donate it, sell it, give it to a friend. Whatever is going to be the most meaningful way for you to redistribute an item. I encourage you to do that. So by breaking this down into small manageable chunks, first we start with a drawer, then we focus on another drawer. And I'm not saying you know, do this in the whole day, break it down into manageable chunks. Maybe you start out with 10 minutes and then you work your way up to doing this for three or four hours. Just as if you were working on a document or if you were doing manual labor, it does get exhausting because oftentimes with our belongings, we have emotional ties to them. For me, I have certain articles of clothing that bring back memories, mostly good memories. Otherwise, I'm not gonna lie. If there's an article of clothing, no matter how much I love it, no matter how much I spent on it, how little I wore it, if there's any kind of negative emotion associated with it, I sell it, I donate it, I give it away because it's just not worth the mental headache, in my opinion, to hold on to it. I encourage you, this is a great time to really find out your values and what you deem is worthwhile. Obviously, we all have different um, comfort levels of spending on clothing. And while yes, clothing in general does tend to get more expensive, we can't put a price on our mental, our emotional, and our environmental, environmental health. That is priceless. So remember this as you are going through your closet or through your space of simplifying and decluttering. So once you've now made this pile of yes, no, maybe, our definite giveaways we feel good about. 
the ones that we want to keep, we feel good about. It's those that we're not quite sure. And then you go back to the drawing board. So with your maybes, whether that's an article of clothing, whether that's maybe it's a piece of furniture, ask yourself the last time you've used it. Ask yourself the memories that you have associated with that item. Again, if it's overall negative, I recommend that uh, you sell it, donate it, get rid of it because it is taking up physical and mental and emotional space. And we just can't, we can't replace that no matter how expensive an item was. So another thing that I highly encourage and recommend people to do is once they've kind of cleared the space of all the clutter, take a look around at the room and go back to what you liked and what you didn't like. Are there any renovations or improvements that you'd like to make to the room? One of the most simple, cheapest things you can do to a room is paint it. Whether you paint it the same color, you just update it, or whether you add a fun uh, stencil or wallpaper design, whatever speaks to you. This can be a very fun and inexpensive way to update a space. If you have a larger budget, you could also start to redecorate. This might come in the forms of pillows or a nice throw or lamps, just something that reflects how you want that space to feel. And there's no right or no wrong. This is really about showcasing you and your personality. Coming home to a clean and organized space is a very selfless act of love. You deserve to have a clean, organized space. Within that clean and organized space, we're free from clutter. So that actually frees our mind from thinking about, oh, I need to pick through this, or oh, I need to get rid of that, or oh, I need to put this up. It's already done. So you can come home and relax and fully unplug or maybe your home is your creative space. Maybe you work from home. This is going to allow you to really tap into your creativity and also increase your productivity. So really, we owe it to ourselves to have this clean, organized living space. Now let's shift gears. Another big aspect of our lives is where we work. So for those of us who work at home, I do think it's important that you have a clear separation of space between where you're going to go watch Netflix and where you work. It is very difficult to combine the two. Why? Well, think about how productive it is when your favorite Netflix series comes on. I bet odds are you're not focused on your email and instead you're so enthralled in that latest episode of you that there might be a bunch of typos or who knows, you might even send it to the wrong person. Maybe that's happened to me once before. So I don't encourage you to mix your personal life with your living and working environment. Try to separate them. Have a designated space. If you do live in a really small space, like a studio apartment, designate a corner where there is nothing to distract you. It's very minimal. Everything has a place and a purpose. And I imagine if you are living in a smaller space, you have already thought about how to maximize your space. So kind of going back to the same principles that we discussed when decluttering your personal space, the same things apply to your workspace. If it's a cubicle or a desk at your house, start to notice your desk. 
Is it just full of random papers and knickknacks that aren't really serving any purpose? So step one is declutter it. Go through what you use and what you don't use. And again, it can be hard to get rid of some sentimental things. Maybe there's another space like a bookcase shelf or some other place where you can showcase these items. And maybe we just need to donate, sell, or give those away. Once you've done that, then really take a look at your desk setup. Is it set up so that it actually is going to be productive for you? Or are you having to crank your neck to look at the monitor? I encourage things like dual or triple monitors so that you can easily turn your head. You have ample viewing space for what you are working on. As far as your desk setup, when you're sitting down at your desk, you should have a chair that supports your back so it should hit at at least shoulder height. I don't recommend a stool. Your feet should be firmly planted on the ground and your hips should be about 10 to 15 degrees higher than your knee. Why? When our knees are higher than our hips, that's when we tend to exaggerate hip pain, knee pain, back pain, and even neck pain. Now, as far as your monitor, when you're typing, your monitor should be at eye height. You should not have to turn your head down or crank and look up. That's going to be very painful on the neck. As far as your keyboard, your hands should go down at a nice decline angle. Think 20 to 30 degrees. Why? If you're having to prop your elbows up on your desk and then bend your elbows to type, this can rather rapidly induce carpal tunnel syndrome, which is very painful and is one of the most common overuse injuries there is. Um, for a time in my early to mid twenties, I struggled with carpal tunnel because I had poor desk setup. No one taught me how to do this until way later in life. So set your workspace up properly. It's clean. We can easily see our monitor or monitors at eye level. Our keyboard is lower than our elbows to produce good blood flow throughout our wrist. Having any kind of discomfort while you are working, it does hinder your productivity. It can hinder your cognition or just your ability to think. So we're trying to maximize that efficiency so that you can move on and do things that you love to do. Let's talk about a workspace that is maybe outside of your home where you have a little bit less control. You might have a um, building where there are thousands of other employees or hundreds of other employees. This might include things like working in a cubicle where there's a lot of people in the same room, answering phones, walking around. It can be rather noisy. You have fluorescent lighting. So what can we control? It is a little bit more of a challenge, but it most certainly is not the end all be all. So first of all, if you work in a cubicle or in a shared space, try to simplify your desk. Keep the photos to a minimum, keep the notes to a minimum, keep any kind of information that is confidential, like people's records or just a business transaction in a secured place. I highly recommend locking it up. And this also applies if you work at home. You do not want people going through your confidential documents. That is a liability. And it also, it just doesn't have good ethic properties. We want to be responsible people that take care of other people's sensitive information. So lock it up. 
The next thing, if you do work in an environment where there is fluorescent lighting and loud noises, I encourage you to get something like a low lower lit lamp with more of a lower LED ratio, something that has lower lumens that's not going to exude a lot of bright light. Uh, you might need the bright light, so if that's the case, get a dimmer switch so that you can control the light. Um, also things like waxless candles where you're not actually burning them, but they have the little plastic kind of um, flame that flickers back and forth that can simulate a real life candle. Those can be relaxing. Having things such as a humidifier or an essential oil diffuser can also be soothing as long as the fragrance doesn't bother your colleagues. That's where we just need to, we need to meet with them and talk with them and say, hey, are you okay if I do this? Or if your company has a policy against having anything like that. So having a little bit lower light that you can control at your desk, having something that's going to bring a soothing scent to you, and then really just having that clean, clear environment with the optimal desk setup. Now, if you currently work in a very noisy place, I encourage you to invest in some headphones. They don't have to be expensive. It could be a pair of $10 ones, or you could really knock yourself out with a pair of $300 Bose headphones. Um, that's all in your budget and what feels right for you. Just like working from home, when we work in a shared environment, there, um, there is a fun collaborative aspect to it where we're getting to know people, we're socializing, uh, but at the same time, we do have to take care of our own needs so that we're not distracted by all of the background noise, the telephones, the fax machines, the copiers, the printers that are going on. We want to stay focused so that we can really maximize our work productivity. And so sometimes um, kind of going alongside the work environment, is our colleagues. We have, depending upon your ranking in the company, you might have a lot of control over this if you're the CEO or the hiring manager, and you might have very little control if say you're the janitor or you're an administrative assistant. So whether you have a lot of control or a little control, we do need to respect our own needs within that group setting. So if your workplace is a toxic environment, not so much due to the aesthetics of it, your desk setup, your work environment, the lighting, the noise, it's more of the people in it. Maybe there is a colleague that's harassing you or um, the term negative Nancy, someone that's just very negative. Um, complaining all the time, or maybe there's someone who just dumps all of their work onto you at the very last minute, you know, as you're trying to leave to go pick up your child. These are boundaries that we have to um, set for ourselves to make sure that we do not become a doormat. So if there is something or someone who is violating your needs and your boundary, it's important that you talk to your supervisor or superior, whoever that is, whatever you're ranking, whether if you're um, just starting out with a company or if you've been with them for 20 years, it's important that your own mental, physical, and environmental health, um, health is met 
If the company is large enough, they might have an HR. Uh, HR is a wonderful resource that can help you with things like desk setup and also any kind of toxic uh, personnel or work environment. So I will keep things short today, but really today is just looking at our environment, whether it's at home or at work, and starting to cleanse it, starting to purify it so that it meets our needs and our goals. If there's any kind of disalignment between our needs and goals, it's really hard for us to feel happy, to feel respected, to feel worthwhile, and to enjoy living at home or going to work. So ultimately, our home and work environments do impact our self-love. When we love ourselves, we have needs, we have boundaries, and we maybe more frequently constantly do self-checks within ourselves and with others as far as are these boundaries and these needs being met. If they're not, it is ultimately our responsibility to say something, to recognize these, and then to talk to the appropriate resource to help get them corrected. All right, guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and rest of your week. I can't wait to talk to you guys. Again, this is self-love series focusing on emotional help as it relates to our self-love. My name is Denali Lord. I can't wait to talk to you guys. Feel free to connect with me on social media. It's Denali, D-E-N-A-L-I underscore Lord, L-O-R-D on Instagram or you can send me an email, info at Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening.